Amen. We're going to the book of Ecclesiastes today. Oh, I'm going to give you time. Now. It's right after the book of Proverbs, and we're going to the book of Ecclesiastes. That's where we're going to do our study today. Oh, God is good. He, he has so blessed us and allowed us to rest here. Uh, we're going <clears> to <throat> start in the first chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. So we're thankful and grateful for, for his word. Let's pray. Father, we come before you now and we ask you, Holy Master, to allow us to decrease. And Father God, we pray that the Holy Spirit, who is the teacher, that he will come and he will speak to us and he will give us the understanding and the clarity and the things that you would have us to know. We pray, O oh Holy Master, that you would just hide me behind the cross. Let none of me be shown, but God, let all of you and the angelic beings be shown this day. And Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And God, we are blessed by your word. Father God, we ask now in Jesus' name that you would open the ears of your, of your believers, the hearers, God, that they will receive in their spirit the word that you have sent to us this day. God, we thank you. I thank you, Lord God, for your word. This we ask in your son Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 Praise God. We're going to begin in chapter number one in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, in Hebrew, the word Ecclesiastes means preacher. But also in Greek, it's, it's translation of the Old Testament. It means speaker of a called out assembly. Now, it's interesting that, that when we begin in chapter number one and in verse number one, it begins with the word, the words of a preacher is the first five words in this particular text. Now, ironically, before I realized and it came to my understanding that it said the words of the preacher, the Lord had given me a theme or a thought or a supposedly for anybody that needs a title, the words of the preacher. And I said, God, I said, you're awesome. The words of the preacher. Now, when we look at the words, the words of the preacher, there that word preacher also means assembler. Somebody that assembles things to, to bring about a, a, a thing as a thing of a one being whole, but there has, be, has to be a assembling of that. It says the word of the assembler or the preacher. He says he's the son, which is the builder of David. David is the soul that is saved and sanctified by God. Then he goes on and identifies, he says, the king in Jerusalem. The king in Jerusalem. When we, when we look at the word king, we think about royalty. But before we can get to that kingship, there has to be a level of ascending before we can get to the kingship. So that word king also there means ascending. There's got to be an ascending. Well, an ascending to where? An ascending to Jerusalem. Well, what does Jerusalem mean? Jerusalem means peace. So therefore, the assembling, the assembler or the preacher, he has come to an understanding after he has ascended to a place of peace that he comes to an understanding. And, and as I sit and I thought and I meditated on it, and I said, well, Lord, what was he assembling? Well, what was he putting together? 
He says the knowledge of life. And I said, well, God, if we had have read or if we had taken the time to have studied the book of Ecclesiastes, there are a lot of things that our life had entailed we never would have gone through if we had read the book. Because the words of the preacher, he's the greatest one to tell us of the story about our own lives because it really identifies with his life. Now, look what he says. Y'all walk with me. Look what he says in verse 2. After he has assembled some things, he has assembled some things, he comes to an understanding in verse 2. He says, vanity of vanities, said the preacher, the one that's assembling, because he's assembling some knowledge. He says, vanity of vanity. He says, all is vanity. Most people would have thought that Solomon, and really that Solomon is the one who has written this book, but he calls himself the preacher, the one that is assembling things together. Now, he comes to an understanding that without God, all is empty, which means vanity. All is empty and is passing. That's why he says vanity of vanities. Because apart from God, whatever we do, it is in vain. Amen? It's in vain. Now, let's look at verse number 3, same chapter. But look what else, when he begins to be still and he begins to listen to what the Lord is saying to him in verse 3. He says, What profit hath a man of all of his labor which he taketh under the sun? Now, I looked at this, and, and, and here what God has brought to him is the thing called profit and labor. Profit and labor. Now, profit is what you gain. Profit is an increase. Profit exceeds, it means it, ex, it exceeds in, in some things. But when you put it with your profit versus your labor, you it's all in vain. Because think about it now, you know, when you look at your profit, think about our own life. And, then, and, and even some things that we have acquired or we have, get, we have achieved in life, Think about whether or not the laboring that we did, does, how does it compare with the profit? Think about it. Think about it. Think about the laboring, the toiling, and, and the aggravation, and the vexation, and all that. How does that measure up with profit? It's, it's like a balance. Think about it. Here's profit. When you really look at it, <laughs> thank you, Holy Spirit. And here is labor. You see the difference? Analysis of profit. Y'all see how little profit is versus your labor. That's why he says, apart from God, you know, all is in vain. It's, it's vanity. And I'm like, hmm, profit and labor. So then I had to begin to analyze my own life. And the toiling and the sweat and the vexation and all that stuff. I had to weigh it up against the profit, supposedly, that I had acquired in this life. So what's happening, he is really on a journey about his life. Mm -hmm. Now, verse number four says, uh, no, uh, verse four begins to talk about mankind. He talks about, here he talks about how one generation uh, passes and another one comes. But then he says, but yet the earth abides. But, but Revelation also tells us uh, in the book of Revelation uh, that it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, okay? 
So then when you flip over and in verse number five, he begins to analyze and he begins to look at the elements of the earth. He, he begins to look at how the sun comes up and how the sun goes down. But you know what, it got, what got me? In verse number five, when he talks about the sun, he talks about how it hastens to its place where, it, where he arose. In other words, it's like the sun comes up, the sun goes down, but it's in a hurry to get back down. I mean, think about how much time do we take and really look at the creation of God. I mean, this is when you have ascended, thank you, Holy Spirit, this is when you have ascended to that place of peace. So, so you'll take the time and you'll look at everything around you. And verse number six, he talks about how the wind, it goes towards the south, then it turns about to the north, but then it talks about how it whirls about continuously. He says, there is no break in the wind. He's observing this, y'all. So he's really taking time with God. See, most of us as, as a people of mankind, we are so in a hurry that we would never ever think about looking at the wind, even though it may not be blowing where we are, but it's still blowing. I mean, I mean that's because he sat down, and when he sat down, he began to ascend. So you can't see all this stuff until you ascend to that place of peace. See, you can't see it until you get to that place of peace. Because if you don't ascend into that place of peace, all you will see is chaos. Chaos and confusion. And then he goes on, he begins to talk about, in verse 7, he begins to talk about the rivers, how the river, they run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Have you ever took the time to, to look at that? How, how, how the river run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. And then it goes on to say, unto the place from which the rivers came or come, it says, thither they return again. They return again. They return again. So, in other words, when, when the rivers are running into the sea, you wonder like, wow, the sea doesn't, it's not full. But isn't that ironic? He talks about how the river goes right back to the place where it comes from. See, think about that. Think about the time it takes to analyze, analyze what's really going on around us. But all this can only happen when we are sinning into that place of peace. Amen? Amen. Then he goes on in verse number 8. And now, here we go, we begin to talk about mankind. He, he moves from creation. Now he's, uh, he's beginning to talk about mankind. Verse number 8 says, all things are full of what? Labor. Labor. It said, man cannot alter it. But watch this. The eye is not what? Satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. He, he begins to talk about the discontent of man. Man is never satisfied. Now, let's go to Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27, verse number, verse number 20. Proverbs, keep your hand on right over. Proverbs chapter number 27 and verse number 20. This too is powerful. Are we there? He says, Hell and destruction are never what? Full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. I looked at that and I said, wait a minute, God. He said, hell and destruction are never full. Then he talked about the eyes of man is never satisfied. He didn't put them on the same level. Same level. Hell and destruction compared to the same level with the same strength of the fact that man is never satisfied. Think about that. Think about that. 
think about you know how it is and, and, and only uh, only analogy, uh, analogy that I, I could pick up from that that's so common to the day is cell phones amen you know you you get one and you don't work all the parts of it before you get another one so in other words the eyes of man is not satisfied you know I got one and the other day I was thinking I said well Lord this this don't have work I said need to go get nothing God said no no you ain't learned how to work. I just not learned how to find, how to find the capital letter uh, when you do a text. So you know I don't need to go to nothing new, right? Amen. Let's be real. We don't use all those prompts that's on there. So what God is saying, our eyes are never satisfied. But the, the strength of that thing is the fact that it God measures it with hell and destruction. That is scary by not being satisfied. Now let's go back to Ecclesiastes. Chapter 6, still dealing with uh, the eyes of man not being satisfied. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse number 7. Ecclesiastes chapter number 6, verse number 7. He says, watch this. All the labor of man is for what? Is for his mouth. And yet, the appetite is not full. In other words, God said, there will always be a yearning when we don't have him. Apart from God, there is always a yearning for something for the flesh apart from God. Now, let's look at, let me see if I want to go here. Let's look at Psalms, Psalms 106. Psalms 106. And we're going to begin at verse 12. Psalms 106. We're talking about the eyes of man not being satisfied. Isn't it amazing? Hell and destruction is equated with our unsatisfactory or unsatisfaction with the things of God. Mm. Now, Psalms 106, verse number 12. Here it talks about how Israel is being rebellious. God has brought them out from, from, from bondage, but yet... They're still not satisfied. You know, is there not situations, circumstances in our life, no matter what God does, seem like we always want more. Or we want something else besides what we got. Amen. We might as well be real. Amen. Amen. Now, Psalms 106, verse number 12 says, Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. That's after the deliverance comes. Okay? Now, verse 13 says, They soon did what? Forgot what? His words. They waited not for what his... They waited not for his what? They forgot his words. And then they were so impatient, they didn't wait for the counsel of God. That's how we get in trouble when we don't wait for the counsel of God. Amen? But watch what happens when we don't wait for the counsel of God. Verse 14 says, But lusted, not just plain lusted, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness, which is this whole earthly life of existence, and tempted God in the desert. I mean, that dry place. Look at 15. And he gave them their what? Request. But watch the conjunction. But he sent leanness into their soul. So God said, I, I'll give you your request if you keep on begging me instead of waiting for my counsel. But something is going to happen in the process. Your soul is going to famish. He said he sent leanness into their soul. They weren't seeking after God. They were seeking after everything else. 
Remember now, this is the words of the preacher. Not this preacher, but Solomon, the one who God had given so much wisdom. So now he is sharing that all that he has assembled with us. Amen. Now let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter number one. Ecclesiastes chapter number one. Now we're going to look at verse number 12. Verse number 12 says, here he goes, he's in dialogue. He says, I the preacher was king over Israel and Jerusalem. That's a change there now. That's a change. See, now he's added in Israel, which means uh, he who prevails uh, with God or uh, one who has prevailed in peace. Now, then, now, he's in dialogue. Now, let's look at verse number 13, the, the dialogue he has. You know how it is sometimes we do self-talk. We, we do self-talk to ourselves. Now, verse number 13 says, he says this. Now, remember, he's assembling things. He's assembling things. He says, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by what? Wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This so travail hath God given to the sons of men, I mean, the pain. Because once you begin to search out wisdom, we're going to realize what wisdom is really all about. And then to be exercised therein. Now look at verse number 16. Now he says this. He said, I commune. He, he's, he's, he's in relationship now with, he says, with mine own heart. He's talking to himself. Then he says, lo, I am come to great estate. He's thinking about all the things that he has acquired, okay? Because the first thing he looks at is his materialistic wealth. So he says, his, he's come to the understanding, he says, I am come to not just, a, just an estate, but he says a great estate and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Now, he has a lot of experience. You see, a lot of times when we begin to use wisdom, it's come from our experiences. See, you've got to have some experiences to really understand what's really going on. Now, he doesn't mean that, 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 that those prior to him, like David, his father, because, see, David was the king before him, and then there was another king. But he is talking about all those that God has said in his word that would never, ever be like him. Now, let's flip to 1 Kings chapter number 1 Kings chapter number 3. 1 Kings chapter number 3. Wisdom now. Wisdom that Solomon has. Solomon means peace. But he can only get this. He can only share what he's sharing with us uh, because he has ascended to a place of peace. Now, 1 Kings chapter number 3. Chapter number 3. And we're going to begin... Uh, at verse 9. Here he's, he has been given the privilege and the opportunity to lead God's people. Now, let's begin at verse number 9, because this is his request. He says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? You know, oftentimes we really think about uh, today in, in society, people are not asking God for wisdom how to, to lead God's people. All they want is a whole lot of folk. Uh, all they want is to have a whole lot of money. They're not asking for the wisdom that only God can give how we're able to judge what's right and what's wrong or what's the best for the people. Amen? 
Then verse 10 says, and, and watch what happens when we, when we make our request to God correctly. Verse 10 says, and the, and the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Verse 11, it says, and God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hath asked riches for thyself, nor have asked the life of thine enemies, but have asked for thine understanding to discern judgment. Look at verse 12. Look what God does. He said, Behold, I have done according to your words, or thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart. So there were none like thee, talking about Solomon, before him, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee uh, that which thou have not asked, but riches and honor, so that there should not be any among the kings like unto all of, the, uh, all of these days, or your days. So, so God grants him wisdom because of what he has asked for. And then he goes a little bit farther, and he gives him the other things too. Now, let's go back to Ecclesiastes uh, in chapter number one. In chapter number one, okay? Now, remember now, he, he, he's communing with his heart. He, he sees his estate, okay? And then he realizes and recognizes the fact that he has all this wisdom. But look at verse number 17. Dealing with wisdom. He says, and I gave my heart to do what? To know wisdom. In other words, he set his heart, he set his affections to, to know wisdom and to know, and to know madness and folly. That means, uh, uh, madness is means boasting and having that boasting spirit and that folly means foolishness. In other words, he's just satisfied he's going to do it all. Amen. You know how it is, we do it all. Even though God has given us some wisdom, that's some other stuff that we do too. So, so what he says is, he says, I gave my heart to know wisdom, to know madness and folly, then he perceives this. He says, I perceive that this also is vexation of the spirit. Now, he, he talks about three things there. You know, what is, I said, God, what is he assembling? He says, he says he's putting together for us this picture of these three things, okay? He said, number one is wisdom. Number two is madness. And number three is folly, flat out foolishness, okay? And then look what he says in verse number 18 about wisdom. For in much wisdom is much what? Grief. Mm. And he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. Boy, that's heavy. In much wisdom, much wisdom is much grief. And he that increases in knowledge, he increases in sorrow. I said, wait a minute, guy. I said, but you gave us this wisdom. You want us to have this wisdom. But you know what? The other day I was in the midst of a conversation and I didn't say anything because it, I was listening because a lot of times when, we, when we're in the midst of people, we need to sit and listen. Amen. We don't always have to be participants in speaking, but we can be participants in the good. Now, I was in the midst of the conversation and I, and I heard these two men and, 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 and I heard one say to the other uh, that, 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 that they were glad that they were able to have somebody that they could share the revelations that they had. Because everybody don't have that kind of revelation. 
and you cannot tell everybody what God reveals to you because they do not understand the revelatory knowledge of God. Amen? Because if they hadn't understood the revelatory knowledge of God, they, the church house would be filled. Amen? So I'm sitting there listening to them, and, I, and I'm hearing what they're saying. And, and, and let me tell you, they were really getting off. Y'all hear me? They were, these two men, I'm going to tell you who these two men were. And I felt bad because, see, I wasn't at that place. <laughs> but it's okay. I will get to that place as long as I sit and listen. Amen. Amen. So, so Dr. Manley and Minister Vernon, they were, they were sitting there in that room, and they began to talk off, and they were just, just releasing revelation and, and revelatory knowledge. And I'm sitting there, I'm just eating, and then I'm getting godly jealous, too, because, see, they were throwing out some stuff. But then I understood what verse 18 meant. He says, with much wisdom is much grief. Because everybody don't understand what you're talking about. You know why? It's because nobody wants to study and meditate. You see, Solomon could not relate this to us unless he had took the time to sit down and also ascend to that place of peace. So when you ascend to that place of peace, you won't have all that chaos. You'll, you'll be able to hear what God has to say. And then when you really commune, you know, when you really want a word from God, you've got to spend some time with God. You, you, it's not when it's fly by nights and, you know, how some preachers can say, well, you know, we, we Holy Spirit, help me. We, 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 we were at this church and uh, we went to a Bible study. This is some years back. And this, this preacher said in the Bible study, he, he gets his sermons out for the whole year. I looked at Dr. Man and he looked at me. I said, my God, what, what happened to me if I'm going through some stuff through that whole year and he's already got it mapped out for a whole year? Now, well, wait a minute. God don't speak like that. Because, see, God's a God. He, even though he never changes, circumstances in our life changes, and we need a right now word. He might be preaching about Eastern. I'm going through pure hell. I don't need to hear about that. I need some help. Y'all understand? So, so that much grief comes a lot of times with revelatory knowledge. And, and then it goes on and talks about how when our knowledge is increasing, that's much sorrow, pain. How, I said, God, how does this pain come about? He says, just like this. When you want, you, you want people to know. You want people to get it like you got it. You, you want people to understand and see what God is saying. And it seems like they just don't get it. But then, I, but then I heard one person say what God's word says. He says, our job, ministers of the house, is to plant and to water, and God will give the increase. So you can't put no kind of increase in nobody's life. So that's why a lot of times we get the sorrow going on and the grief in our spirit because we're trying to do God's job. So, but wisdom, 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 I mean, that, that thing was powerful. Ecclesiastes, look at her. Ecclesiastes chapter number Number seven. Seven. Talking about wisdom. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Ecclesiastes. Ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Chapter number seven. And we are going to look at verse, yeah, verse number 11. We're going to hang around in Ecclesiastes, okay? We're going to look at verse number 11 in chapter number seven. Verse 11 says, Wisdom is good with a what? Inheritance. Don't give no fool no money. Y'all got that? How often have we been fools and had money? So we got to bring it home, right? He says, wisdom is good with an inheritance. And by it, there is what? Here we go. Remember in the beginning, God has revealed to him about profit and labor, right? 
He says, to them that see the sun. Now look at verse number 12. It says, for wisdom is a defense. I looked at that word to see what the word in Hebrew means for its defense. It means protector. It's like a shadow. Then it's, watch this. It says, money is a defense. Wait a minute. We're talking about the wisest man it is. The guy said nobody else would have wisdom like him. But here he is saying money is a defense. Money is a protector. Wow. But then he says, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom giveth life to them that have it. Now, I'm going to show y'all something. I'm going to show you something. Look at Ecclesiastes 9 and 14. Yeah, 9 and 14. Ecclesiastes 9 and 14. We're almost done. We, we will be out on time. All right, Ecclesiastes 9, chapter 14. You remember he talks about money is a defense? Ain't nothing wrong with money. It's just the love of it, okay? Watch, watch what God says here in his word. In Ecclesiastes chapter number 9, look at that verse number 14. It says, well, let me read 13 first. This wisdom have I seen. It's not what something somebody told him, but what he has seen with his own eyes. This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. In other words, he's watching it, he analyzed it. Now, 14, that was a little city, and few men within it. And there came a great king against it, and besieged it, took it over, and built great bulwarks, which means a stronghold, they built strongholds against it. Verse 15, it says, now... There was found in it a what? Come on, y'all, read with me. Poor wise men. Watch this. Now there was found in it a poor wise man. Didn't say he didn't have wisdom, but he was poor. Now watch this. He said, and he, by his wisdom, what did he do? He delivered the city. Yet no man remembered that same poor man. You know, that, 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 that. Oh, I almost said a word. Mm. I don't think it's one of the words you can say in the church. <laughs> I almost said a word. That stinks. But that wasn't what I was about to say, though. But that stinks. After all, his, all that he did, after he saved the city that had the stronghold, and the word of God says this, the poor man wouldn't remember. But look at verse 16. Watch this. Then said I, Wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is what? Despised. Now, you've got to understand something now. This is one that God gave wisdom, and he has taken the time to be still and observe what's really going on. Because he says, that, he says, I saw this. I've seen it. Then he goes on, he, he talks about, he says, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are what? That's sad, ain't His words are not heard. This is the Bible. Now, you can't take it out of the book. It's in here. It's, it's, it's in the book. Now, let's go back to chapter number two, because I think that kind of went. Mm. Chapter two, Ecclesiastes, okay? Now we're going to chapter two in Ecclesiastes, okay? Now, we're almost done. We're talking about the words of the preacher. He has assembled some things, so he has dealt with wisdom, okay? He's dealt with wisdom. Now, it's okay to have some money because they said money is a defense according to the word of God. Amen. Now, chapter number two in the book of Ecclesiastes says, I said in mine heart, 
Go to now, I will prove thee with mirth and joy, happiness. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is what? Vanity. And if you look from verse 2 all the way down to verse 8, he talks about how he sought in his heart uh, um, a wine. In verse 3, he talks about, he, 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 in other words, he liked the drinking going on, okay? Now, and then he talks about the, the folly, but he, he, he's talking about the wisdom being with him. In verse 4, he talks about the great works that he had done. In verse uh, uh, 5, he talks about the gardens and, uh, and the arches, everything that he had planted. And verse 6, he began to talk about the pools of water and, and everything that, he brought, that was brought into him. In verse 7, he says he got him servants and, and, and maids. And, and in other words, he had great possessions. And then verse 8 talks about how he gathered up silver. In other words, he gathered up a whole lot of money. Okay, and then look at verse number 9. Verse 9 says, So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. In other words, those had ascended or was in the process of peace. But he says, also, this got me. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Now, if you read those verses from 2 through 8, you'll see that in the midst of, of folly, in the midst of foolishness, in the midst of his drinking and everything that's going on, he said his wisdom stayed with him. I said, wait a minute, God. See, I, I so often wondered, Lord, how could this be? How could this be? How can you continue to use people and they, they're flat out crazy? But see, it, it, Solomon gave me the answer. He says, God's wisdom is still with them even though they're acting a the fool. They have not yet ascended to that place of peace. These are the words of the preacher. Now, now, this blew me away. Now look at verse 10. And he says, whatsoever, watch this, and whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all of my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. Look at this. He says, this is his portion. And all that labor, and all that toiling, and all that sweating, and all that vexation. Then he begins to talk about the profit from it. He said, this is the portion of my labor. Verse 11 says this. He says, then I looked on all the works that my hands had brought and the labor that I had labored. Y'all remember what the prophet in the labor in the first part of the lesson? He said, I labored to do. And behold, he says, all was vanity ah, and vexation of the spirit. And there was no what? Profit under the sun. He looked at everything he had done. And he was this, he was still not satisfied. Why? Apart from God, we will never have the satisfaction that we need. No matter what we try to do, no matter what we try to accomplish, what, what we have in life, God said the yearning that we have on the inside is a yearning for him. So we were made for him, not for the flesh, okay? Not, not for the flesh. Now, verse 13, and we've got two verses. Verse 13, verse 13, it says, then I saw, watch this now, out of all that he assembled, and he analyzed wisdom, uh, madness, and folly. Now, look what, it, what he comes to the conclusion of. He said, then I saw that wisdom does what? Are y'all there with me? Excelleth or excelleth folly, foolishness. In other words, he said, wisdom excels that. He said, I've been through all that mess. 
But the wisdom that God has given me, and now that from the experiences that I have, from all that foolishness, the wisdom that God has given me excels all of that. And then he goes on to say, he goes on to say, he says, Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly. And watch this. Look at the comparison. As far as light excelleth darkness. I mean, that, that, that's awesome. I mean, the, 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 uh, the spectrum of, of light and darkness. God is saying, Solomon is saying, it's like this. It's from the point of, uh, it's, it's from the point of the situation wherein wisdom and folly, when you think about darkness and light and how far apart, see, in our natural eye, we can only see the 24-hour thing because we, we're man. We deal with time. But when you deal with in eternity, then light and darkness come from a different perspective. So that's how far wisdom is when it comes down to folly or foolishness. It excels that. Now, here's the conclusion of the matter. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. And we are finished. Chapter number 12. Amen. So these are the words of the preacher. The words of the preacher. Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. Looking at verse number 13. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. He says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You see, as he is on a journey, he's, he went on a journey, he comes to a conclusion that out of all that he had done and all he went through, all, all that he had acquired, the only conclusion that he could draw was the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. If you want to...